2: Chumba Chumbacasino.com No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. P.S. Meet me at stage
0: door. Hi everyone and welcome back to P.S. Meet me at stage door. So today we have a little bit of a different episode for you. We're going to be trying something new, something super exciting. But before we jump into it, I'm going to hand it off to
1: Libby for our bulletin. Before we get into the news of this week, both Tori and I would like to acknowledge the Black Lives Matter movement in America and around the world, following the tragic death of George Floyd. It is so important that we as a community listen and learn how to be better allies both in our home country and overseas. Making sure to give our voices where it matters to help fight against systematic racism. We will hold ourselves accountable to implement this into our daily lives now and for the future. We understand that we can never fully understand. But we see you, we hear you, and we stand with you. You can follow the links in our bio to see how you can help too. In other news, we are excited to see some new productions and works coming out. Who's Your Bag Daddy? A musical following the events leading up to the 2003 invasion of Iraq, will be performing an online production from the 24th to the 28th of June for five performances only. Now, you can check out more information, including ticket prices and where to watch, on their Instagram at BaghdaddyMusicalAU. An exciting Australian musical currently in its workshopping phases is Valve's A Song Cycle. You can follow their journey to creating a show on Instagram at Nash Daily and Goldfinch, and support them by donating to their GoFundMe page. Also, coming to a screen near you is Oliver Alcair's production of The Big One O, the online edition, who is actually going to be a guest on our podcast in an upcoming episode. So make sure you keep your ears out. Tickets will be on sale Friday with the shows on the 25th to the 27th of June. Make sure you guys check out their Instagram at The Big One for more information. Now back to you, Tori
0: so today we're going to be doing something new something a little bit different we are going to be doing a deep dive this is going to be the first time that we're doing a deep dive pretty much what it's going to be is we are going to pretty much just be diving in deep to a discussion of a show of our choice and today, that show is going to be Little Shop of Horrors, and we are joined by yes. our amazing, amazing guest, Miss Heather Campbell. Say hi, Heather. Hello!
2: <laughs> Thank you very much, for- <laughs> me on this is very
0: exciting and cool I'm so excited I know we are we are so excited to have you so Heather is a colleague of ours who is a very active member of the theater community not only as a performer but as a director and a teacher as well
1: making her the perfect person for us to bring in today so before we get started I'm gonna tell you guys a little bit about little shop and we're going to give you a little bit of an intro to what little shop is if you're listening and you've never heard the musical before so little shop Shop of Horrors is a horror comedy rock musical with music by Alan Menken and lyrics by Howard Ashman. The musical premiered off Off Broadway in 1982 before moving Off Broadway to the Orpheum Theatre, where it ran for five years. The original musical was loosely based on the low budget 1960s comedy film of the same title. Now, before we go any further, I will let you know that there is a spoiler warning. We will be talking about the plot of Little Shop, we will be talking about everything that happens, so if you have not seen Little Shop and you don't want spoilers, this is your spoiler warning. So,
0: for those that aren't super familiar with Little Shop of Horrors, the show takes place in Skid Row, where poor orphan Seymour works at Mushnick's Skid Row Florist, a rundown flower shop owned and operated by cranky Mr. Mushnick. Alongside Audrey, a tall, beautiful blonde, who is in a relationship with the abusive evil dentist while seymour was browsing the wholesale flower district a sudden eclipse of the sun occurred and when the light returned a mysterious plant that looked like a large venus flytrap appeared seymour who was secretly in love with audrey names the plant audrey 2 after her he bought it and took it back to the shop where it began to shrivel and die until seymour discovered to make it grow it needed Blood, And hence, the story truly begins. I think that's all we really need for now in terms of the synopsis, because we will be going in much deeper into the plot throughout this episode. So to give you a bit of a context as to why we chose Little Shop of Horrors for today's and for our first deep dive, pretty much Heather is um, our old boss. (laughs) And pretty much we would spend I don't even know how long in the box office chatting shit pretty much
1: about Little Shop of Horrors. Exactly so I guess we wanted to start off today by you know because you're so obsessed with Little Shop and you love it so much so we've got to know where did this start where did this obsession start have you been in the show have you seen so many of the like the shows what is it?
2: Okay so I first encountered Little Shop of Horrors when I think I was like maybe 12 or 13 and I was going to a performing arts school on the weekend and I got given somewhere that's green to learn as a song. Oh, of course. All girls do. Yeah, so (laughs) you're given somewhere that's green. And um, I had never heard of the musical at the time. I thought I knew a lot about musicals, but I really only knew sort of like the big, big ones. And I got handed this piece of music and I thought that it was such beautiful imagery and it inspired me to find out more about the show and about the context of the character and things like that um, so then I think I first yep. watched the movie the non-musical movie and was like what is this weird thing yep. like where did this beautiful song come into this completely <laughs> horrific thing? <laughs> yeah, because the, the, the movie is quite strange. The non-musical movie is quite strange. Um, so I watched that and then sort of just went, okay, and, and forgot about it for a little while. And then when I was in high school, we were doing a production of Little Shop of Horrors. Ah, okay. I thought you were yeah. in it. So then we do a production of Little Shop of Horrors and it re-comes back into my life. And I'm like, isn't that that weird... Movie that I watched. Anyway, at this point, um, our we got all we all get handed the CD to have a listen to it and uh, you know decide if you want to audition yep. or not. And I mm-hmm. took it home, listened to the CD, and I just was became obsessed like listen to it over yeah. and over and over and over and over again like yeah. I had it loaded on my iPod I remember like one of my friends looking over my shoulder being like what is Do Do by Alan Menken I've never <laughs> heard of this song and I'm like you don't even know it's so good um so yes then I was in a production um uh, which was amazing but also terrible because I was one of the Greek chorus members um I was chiffon which oh, is an incredibly hey. racially inappropriate Yay. thing for yep. me to be cast as. Um, so for your listeners, clarification, I am a Caucasian, redheaded headed woman uh, who cannot even slightly pass for being African-American. No, so, no um, not at all. It was, one of those, it was one of those great things that high schools do where they're like, yeah, 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 ignore the racial questions, just throw the students at it. And yeah, and then just... From then onwards, I was like, it had a special place in my heart. And so I've been really invested in listening to every recording that comes out. I've been to see a few productions. um, And you have thoughts. And you have that (laughs) face you're pulling right now. I have have thoughts about, I saw the production at the Hayes and loved it. And it then transferred to Sydney Theatre. And it was glorious and loved it. And yeah, I just think it's a really special
0: show. It is such a fun musical. And it's something that's done by so many especially like community theater yeah. high school theater because it's a small cast yeah. and it is really fun like I was listening to it today driving to the glorious Ikea <laughs> for the first time in probably like months that I've listened to it and it just came back I was like oh I just, I just want to do this like I don't even care I will I will be a story <laughs> I just yeah. love the music yeah. in this show I do. and I think
2: people um, mistake it for being an easy mm. show. It's not easy oh, because yeah, it is no, quite not. funny, and people go, "Oh yeah, that's that's achievable thing we can do." Like we'll 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 definitely do that. And I think people put a lot of thought into like, "Oh, what will we do about the puppets?" And you can you can mm-hmm. hire the puppets quite readily, like the, the the three Audrey Two puppets. And I think yeah. people think that's the thing that you need to make it a good show. Right. Um, and I think it's got a lot of other things going for it, mm-hmm. and a lot more depth that it gets kind of overlooked for. But it does, it gets put on a lot, so mm. you get to see it in many iterations and it kind of, seeing yeah. each one you go, ah, I'll take something from that, and I really like that element and, and I, I don't know, I put it together in this super production exactly. that one day I hope I'll see. I was yep. really <laughs> hoping to see the off-Broadway one that's currently well right? on the Right? Oh yeah! I got so, I got so As excited. in the one with Jeremy Jordan? Yes, the one that. Uh, well, is it him yet? I thought it was. Um, I think he's is it coming. Still? He's coming. Which will, which we will
0: get into later because we have so much to say about that. <laughs>
1: is, it, is that that's the production that had um, Jonathan Groff in it? Yes. So
2: the new Broadway yeah. um, production was. Jonathan Groff being Seymour Tammy Blanchard as Audrey and um, Christian Ball being Oren Scrivello the dentist. One of
0: the things we kind of thought would be kind of fun to discuss is if you could what would you change about the storyline or the characters? I don't know
2: that I would really change anything about it, which yeah. is funny because I have a big history of going to see shows and being like, well, if you just change this element of the plot, wouldn't it be better? Yes. Wouldn't it be better? <laughs> uh, and like, than... like you're wicked. <laughs> I'm like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it just be better if act two never happened? Like <laughs> it's just um, but is one of those shows that I actually don't do that about I really like the story the progression I think it makes sense to me Mm. there's nothing about it that I go well that's odd and why would anybody make that choice I think um, I agree in terms of sometimes production choices there are things that if I ever get my hands on directing it as Mm -hmm. is one of my life goals there are things that I'm Perhaps interested in doing a little differently to to the standard production. Yeah. Um, so things like one of the things that we have talked about previously is um, when the new recording came out uh, with Jonathan Groff and Tammy Blanchard and um, Christian Ball. It's Quite different, uh, particularly Jonathan Groff's take on the character is very different to the standard Seymour. Yeah. Um, but Tammy Blanchard, as much as I adore her, I feel like she's giving a very classic Audrey, and I don't know that the mm. two of those sync. So I'm like, does Audrey have to be played that way? Well,
1: I actually think that she almost does. Oh, because she's a represent. I know, mm. I know, going against it. I originally, you know. I asked me a couple days ago, and I totally would have waiting with for this. You. I was waiting but for this to happen. I was happen. just, like, looking into it a lot, and I watched it um, last night just to refresh. It's really, because I was looking at it, and it is almost parallels. The story parallels, like, Nixon and his, like, presidency. <laughs> and it was really interesting looking at it, because it's, it's paralleled. And so Audrey's really just a metaphor for, like, America. You know how she, mm-hmm. at the end, she's like, she wants him to feed, like, she wants to be fed to the planet. She's like, no, I want you the best for you. So feed me to the plant. That's like the blindness of the mass of America. So I think that's what she is. So I don't know. For me, I think that she almost yeah. does need to be that really stupid, mm-hmm. blind, like it's it's um a character chore. It's hundred percent a character chore. And I would love to see her done. Yeah. If it wasn't that, I think I would love to see it done mm-hmm. a bit, you know, differently. Yeah.
2: But I think a person can't play a metaphor, right? You can't play. I'm a metaphor for the loss of the American people's faith in their president.
1: That's not a playable action. No, it's not a playable action. I
2: kind of, I feel like I kind of fall
0: in the middle of these two because, so I think that The way that she's portrayed is kind of a representation of where she's from. So she's from Skid Row. She's from, like, if you kind of, if you don't Mm. know what Skid Row is, it's not necessarily a particular place. It's pretty much an impoverished urban area in, like, North America. And so when I hear her, that's exactly what I picture. I picture where she's from. I know what she is. (laughs) But it makes me feel like she's got so much
1: more. But
2: here's the thing. They're they're all from there. that's true. They are all from there. They're all from there, and she's the only one with that accent. Like, why is she always the only one with the accent?
0: but I do feel like it does dumb her down more than she is. Like, oh, I yeah. feel like her action in the show, she knows what's happening. She knows what the dentist is doing, but it's the fear of it. So many people have said to me before, I'm like, well, she doesn't like, she doesn't realize what the dentist is doing because she's dumb. I'm like, no, she knows what she's
2: doing, but she's scared and she's also in yeah. love. She sings a whole song yeah. about it. She sings a whole song about how she's only ever had bad relationships. Like, that, she's a- she's aware of that. But I think it's just... I think it's actually, for me, it's not that the character can't be innocent or has to be played like a super savvy woman, Mm. but it's that um, people seem to be really stuck Mm. with the voice. Like, that Mm -hmm. voice is always the same. Any production you go and see of Little Shop, everybody does... The Audrey voice in quote, unquote, air quotes, which don't really work over the meaning of a podcast,
0: but I'm air quoting the Audrey voice. When I was trying to find clips of people singing somewhere that's green, I think I only found one or two that didn't use that
1: voice. And it kind of just makes you go, oh... It makes it feel quite different, but not bad. No, it's not bad. I don't I think that it would be so amazing to see Audrey in a different light, as in not done with the voice, but it is also a very camp show and that almost brings an element to it as well. It's not it's it's got kind of I don't know about anyone else, but when I was watching it, you know the way that the set is and everything. It's so <laughs> bright and vibrant and in your face. And it kind of reminds me of like Sesame Street on steroids. Yeah. It's like there's some plant, there's like puppetry. It does yeah match it, but I, I definitely think it would be an interesting to see a completely different Audrey. I think it would just depend on how the production was done.
2: And I don't know if it'd work, because I've never seen it. But it's just when I see it and particularly when I listen to the new recording, one of the questions I asked was does she have to speak that way? Does she have to have that accent? Because it's it's a, a character trope that is really ingrained with the show. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I you know, I've not seen the libretto for years. And I'm like, is yeah, it... Yeah, is it like a scripted is thing? It's a scripted thing. Uh, is it a choice that you have to make? Can it be made differently? Yeah. I just, I wonder. And maybe it wouldn't work. Maybe it wouldn't work, but it's one of those things that I'm, I'm interested that I never see anyone stray from it. And people's depiction of the dentist changes and Seymour changes. And and why is Audrey deprived of the ability to be seen differently? Or for an actress to put a different spin on it. And I think it depends on what you're going for in the show, right? But I think the relationship between Audrey, and Seymour is often the the real crux of the show. And that's why they changed the movie ending because they were like, oh, it's... Right? Yeah, so, like, when they changed the movie ending and they didn't die, it was because film audiences were so invested in these two people Mm -hmm. that they were absolutely horrified that they got fed to the Mm -hmm. plant and that was the end. I didn't even connect for the longest time,
0: literally until researching. I have seen musical productions in theatres and I've seen the movie... And I didn't connect connect the dots of Mm -hmm. the fact that they had changed the ending. And I was like, because when they did the first test of it to an audience with the movie, they were like, no, they were like, this is so upsetting. And it's so dark and it's so horrific that it needed that happier ending of she goes in, but Seymour saves her rather than the absolutely horrific, but amazing ending of the musical where they all die and plants take over the world or at least they take over skid row yeah
2: but i think theater the the difference is also like a theater is uh even with a super tragic ending you've got that upswing of like but they come out to bow and there's a reprise and you you get that kind of upswing. in a movie you're just left with like then that's the end the credits but and also, so, like yeah. Seymour
1: wasn't left with like, if they do that ending, the whole thing is that you know, it's almost that fame thing and the greed that oh, is totally. there, and that there's yeah. there's no, there's no um, consequence. There yeah. yeah, there's no consequence to his actions. Audrey deserves better. Justice for Audrey. <laughs> justice for Audrey. We should get, get a #hashtag going. Yes, and it
2: can be on many layers. She yes. deserves better. Man, she deserves her own voice. Like #hashtag justice for Audrey. <laughs> And look how long we've spent talking I about I know. Her. She's great. She's a great character with like many nuanced points to her.
0: Like... But another thing that I would love to talk about that I know, Heather, we've spoken about before is that a lot of the productions in Sydney use the same puppet oh, for every show. Yeah. But something that I love and I think is amazing, like the photos that I saw from production of Little Shop of Horrors um, in Pennsylvania at the Fulton Theater, theater back i think it was in 2018 where patrice covington actually played audrey too i love the Uh, idea of actually them not being a puppet and being like the way that like looking at the photos the way that patrice got to portray that Mm. she almost looks like this version of like poison oh, ivy totally. on drugs like it was amazing I and i found it. so many versions like i even found a version with a drag queen <gasps> called vicky Vox slay that would be as audrey too and she's this like retro she's got pin curls happening she's like psychedelic colors i love it i'm no, like, I'm like it's like it brings this entirely different personality because it's like you know that they're the plant like you know that yeah. you you know that you you would have to be quite literally blind to know that she that these people are not being the plant just just in general guy or girl whoever i think you just got to cast whoever suits the role best but i saw one um today which was amazing and i watched a video of it it was from a high school production in um america and we're pretty much so she was playing Audrey too. And when she becomes full size, you can't see what I'm doing physically right now, but she was pretty much in the pod. And when she started singing "Feed Me," she opened up the pod, and she was just there in this like gorgeous purple. Oh, yeah! And every time she ate someone, she would swallow them in, and the doors would close of the pod. And I was like, "Yes, I love Love this, and I love Audrey too. Is such a sassy character, so sassy, and I love being able to see like whilst." I've seen a few different iterations of the puppet. You just get so much more expression Mm -hmm. having a person there because you're like, the puppet is great and it's funny and it's a good little like Mm. joke with it. And I think that if it's what you're going down the path of, do it. But having that person there to be like, like literal, the physical representation of this sassy otherworldly plant is just, it's a completely different story.
2: 100%. And I think also, um, they're such a key player in the story, right? And the whole thing is mm-hmm. that Audrey too, it's all a manipulation so that to make him famous, not for him, and not so he'll give him blood, but so that they can get the plant to spread and take over the world, right? It's this alien yeah. plant that wants to take over. So, it, it, the character is playing a long game, of wanting something and I think if you let the audience see the person playing it and it could still be incorporated Mm. within a puppet you get that that push and that back and forth between Seymour and the plant and also like the Chiffon uh, Renette and crystal, they are part of the plant at different parts. Like during supper time, they're also singing, like you know, and encouraging him mm. to feed things to mm-hmm. it. And I think if you you could find a way to work them into it as well, like it's. Um, That would be so cool. It's a growing entity that would be cool to play with. It'd be cool to have, like, the villain, but then,
1: like, a pussy. It's almost like, you could do a cool, like, like... dancey kind of, like, you could have, like, a really cool vibe. Yeah. It's like Ursula and her eels, like, that kind of...
0: Yeah, that vibe. That's the exact kind of vibe that I get. Like, I've seen pictures of various different productions and, like, where they are in almost like where the little gospel girls are. In almost mini Audrey. Oh. Yeah, totally. Like And I think that it's I love that. great. And I, I love it so much. And I think it's such a good option to yeah have that physicality of it and the way that people play with it.
2: And, and someone's working so hard at that puppetry too. I want to like there's yeah. so many puppets on, on stage you get to see the puppeteer and the puppets. So you think mm-hmm. of like Timon in Lion King or Olaf um, or if you go see War Horse you can or see Avenue people Q. Yes, mm-hmm. Avenue Q. You can see people and the puppets and mm-hmm. it gives you that connection of the human emoting and also gives the puppet more life. I think I would love to see Little Shop have more of that. Mm-hmm. Because the person who was poor person who's operating that Audrey too, they're working so hard and I know they get to come out for a bow. But, but seeing that symbiosis of the voice and the yeah. physicality oh, I think would be a real... I know. It would could only be a plus to me. And I think what you were saying before about the reveal, like when yeah. uh, when Audrey starts to talk, I think it makes total sense that it's a puppet in the first couple yeah. of stages, mm-hmm. that there be a puppet around them. But when or when it stops when the plant starts to talk, there being that revelation of of being able to see the uh-huh. human voice. Although yeah. one of the things that I really loved about the production that was at the Hayes and then went on to the Rosin Packer was that the guy who played Seymour was also Audrey II's voice. Oh. So he was doing oh. both oh I didn't see that for Which was oh. a really yeah oh it was mind what? blowing. So he was How would they do feed me? Yeah so he was like I I believe that Done some pre-recording stuff but you can Uh, see uh him, and it it gave it this really interesting twist of what was the plant ever really talking? Was it his own desire? Like, And yeah. I actually didn't notice because it was so subtle because he'd like be looking at the plant and singing and so you couldn't really see. And someone else in the audience who'd already seen the show pointed out to me that he no. was seeing both. And I was like, my mind was exploding. So that was a really cool twist on oh it my as well.
1: I love that. On the note of explosiveness, we're going to shift Explosions. it now. Explosions. <laughs> we're going to shift it now to um, a little, I guess you could call it game- not really a game we're gonna do Oh God. we're gonna do I'm not two truths and a lie so what happens is there are gonna be two truths to what i say and there's gonna be one lie now these are all yep. about little shop of horrors so it'll be really interesting I, I did find some really interesting fun facts so i hope you guys enjoy this so you're gonna get are we gonna like buzz in for this um, <laughs> I think you can both say which one you think is the truth and which one you think is the lie. Oh, okay. okay. Yep, yep, okay. yep,
0: I get what you mean now.
1: All So this is the first one. Number one, Little Shop of Horrors is the only movie that stars both comedy legends Steve Martin and Bill Murray. Two, Ariel's I Want song was used as inspiration by the writers who often jokingly called it somewhere that's wet. Three, <laughs> the movie inspired a board game by Milton Bradley called Feed Me in which players had to drop my marbles in the giant fly trap's mouth which one do you think is incorrect
0: can i just ask a quick question bill murray was in little
1: shop of Forest? Well,
0: oh wait i guess you I don't can't know that question yeah i
1: can't i can't answer what is what is the oh two truths and what is the lie so you just tell me what you think the lie is i'm now
2: trying to think who i, I reckon one is the lie I, I reckon Bill Murray and Steve Martin must be in another movie together.
0: <laughs> yeah, I also, I, I've got to <laughs> so agree, sorry, I've got to I'm agree. To... Mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen them a lot together. Uh,
2: unless Little Mermaid, yeah, Little Mermaid was written after it, so uh, that's fine. I, I, know, I feel <laughs> like that makes sense. I feel like the game and, could um, exist. I mean, a board game is nutty, but sure. I'm, <laughs> yeah, go with I'm, home.
0: oh gosh, I'm gonna go with one too, actually. Yeah, I've got, I can't lie, I'm gonna go
1: with one. Oh, guys they're all true. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god. Wait a second. I love I love Libby now trying to figure out what she's done. So, Basically, The Little Mermaid came after Little Shop, and they yeah. I, I switched it. Yeah. It's actually that Little Shop became was first, and so they used somewhere that's green to inspire part of your oh. world. But basically, number two was The Life. Okay, number two. This is oh the God. second one. This is the last one. Um. Okay, number one. The filmmakers okay. originally offered the role of Audrey to Madonna before casting original stage star Ellen Green. Madonna wanted the part but couldn't commit due to her recording tour and slash touring Two. the film cost nearly 30 million dollars and at the time it was warner brothers most expensive movie number three ellen green originated the role off broadway and was then cast in the film adaptation the third is false i feel like someone's screaming at me right now that i'm so wrong
2: (laughs) i can see them offering it to madonna i can i can see that being a, a choice and I thought it was the most expensive movie. So then I would have to lean towards the third one as well. But I thought that Ellen <laughs> Green was it off the way, But maybe there's was someone before. <laughs> I'm so confused. I'm just going to diversify because um, Tori said three, so I'm going with one just to, like, you know, shake it up. Okay,
1: guys, the lie was it's number one. one. Yes! Yeah, that's <laughs> the lie, but it's not a complete lie. So they actually originally originally offered it to Cindy Lauper. Oh! oh yeah! I just changed yeah, it to Madonna. So Madonna was in consideration. Like, um, it was kind of uh, gossip that Madonna was in consideration for the role, but yeah. they actually offered it to Cindy Lauper. Guys, I've just confused but everyone look. with this game. I should just not do two to We're really good at go.
2: this game. We are. Excellent. I think this is just not the game for us.
1: Um, but good job, guys! Actually, Heather won that. Yes, Heather. <laughs> There's a winner, and it is Heather. Something that I think I would just
0: love to deep dive into because I am a very, very big Jeremy Jordan stan. And when it was announced that he was being cast as in the um, new production in New York that he was going to be taking over as Seymour, people freaked out. And the main response he got was, Jeremy Jordan is too hot. He's meant to be like ugly and meant to be like a (laughs) geek. And Jeremy Jordan's response was literally taking photos of himself in glasses, being like, what do you want
2: from (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love that people exploded over it, but, like, Jake Gyllenhaal has played Seymour, and that man is, like, probably the best-looking human alive. So if people can let it slide that Jake Gyllenhaal played it and is just a total babe then maybe jeremy jordan should be extended the same courtesy i
0: don't think seymour's meant to be ugly i don't think he's meant to be like the hunchback and just totally unlovable i think he's meant to be kind of meek and a little bit meager and a little bit unsure of himself But i don't think he's meant to be like this horrifically unattractive <laughs>
1: person i think also it's um you know if you are right for the role and you just happen to be attractive like what they've got to go with know, who is right uh, uh, for the but role but then also the opposite goes for that are they just... Okay, this is the opposite Mm. end of that, which I understand why there was a little bit of backlash. Are they just casting Jeremy Jordan because... It's Jeremy Jordan, no. and he can get bums and seats? Or are they casting I mean, Jeremy Jordan because he's necessarily the best for the yeah. part and was the best at audition?
2: So yeah. I feel that's a more interesting argument, right, is I don't have a yeah. problem with Jeremy Jordan's level of attractiveness oh, no. because, oh. like, Jonathan Ruff Mama. is no toad either. Like, he's, he's perfectly uh, pleasant to look at. Um, but I guess, for me, I think Jeremy Jordan reads... As someone who knows they're attractive. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So I, when I think of him and his general go to character, he's usually a little bit smarmy quite cocky, yeah. super confident. These are the roles that he's known for playing. So I think that's why people go, oh, do I see you as a Seymour, like mm-hmm. a guy who's got no game and a crippling crush on a woman that he can't possibly tell her about, like that can be easily manipulated mm-hmm. by a plant with this, like I'll help you be cooler. I think he reads as quite yeah. cool Naturally, Like everyone has a, a mm-hmm. natural kind of vibe that yeah. you give off and people can definitely work against that and transform themselves in character. But yeah. I've not seen him do anything and well. maybe I'm not as familiar with his work, but I've not seen anything where I'm like, oh yes, uh, he's, yes he's very vulnerable I agree. and insecure.
0: To contradict to that, okay. <laughs> I don't know if either of you have seen the TV show, the CW show Supergirl. No, I <laughs> haven't actually. He plays a character called Quinn and he is whilst... I think a slightly, a slightly cockier version of Seymour. So I have seen that side where I can see him. I wouldn't necessarily be the, of all the actors in the world, he wouldn't necessarily be like my first pick going like, yes, that is Seymour,
1: that is the perfect Seymour. But I'm like, I can see it. But was he the best? Was he the best choice? That is the question though. And we don't know that. We're not the director. We're not on the yeah, panel. Yeah, that's what I'm well, saying. It, I'm like, was the
2: best choice cuz their first choice is Jacob. Yes. So like yes. you start with like our ideal choice <laughs> is up here and then from there we find we all we'll all find place. an alternative. Yeah. I think it's always great for actors to push themselves and mm. try new and try new Definitely. characters and you don't mm-hmm. always want to be playing the same character. So I think it's good for him to to stretch. And I I hope he pulls it off. I hope I get to see it, is what I really want, is I want to see the show. Well, we do want to
1: also touch on um, some of your favourite songs from the show. So what are you guys, you know, what are your favourite songs? I
0: mean, I straight off the bat know what my favourite song is, but I don't. Heather, you go first. You tell us your favourite song.
2: My favourite song is... (sighs) My favourite song is Skid Row, if I really had to pick one. I think my favourite song is Skid Row. Because um, whilst it's not the very first song in the show, because there's the prologue, Mm -hmm. I feel like it is, just sets the tone phenomenally... It's these introductions to the characters. I particularly like, I feel like my solidification of that being my favorite has come from listening to the new Broadway cast recording. I literally just I downloaded die, it. I die <laughs> for when Jay Groff sings Poor on my life. I've poor. He's been poor. Like, I'm <laughs> like, yes! Literally so downloading as we speak. Oh my oh, god, it's so good. Um, and I have this, I have this playlist called Banning Broadway where I put like my favourite sort of go-to listen-to-on-repeat yep. songs in, and Skid Row is the one from Little shovel Horrors Horrors. Ah, yeah. So um I do also love like yeah and Supper Time, and just there's so many. But if I really had to pick, I'd go, I'd go Skid Row because you get a little bit of. Almost everything except Audrey 2. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. I was
0: literally about to say Feed Me is, I think, I think my me favorite. Me too. I love I Somewhere love That's Green, and I love the imagery that you get with Somewhere That's Green, but Feed Me is just that one that I always... Along with, I would have to probably say Skid Row as well, but Feed Me is just the one that I always go back to, like the comedy in it and just like the... the sound, the R&B. And I just now have give it to me. I can't, I can't get yeah. the image, now that you've put it in there, Heather, of... Seymour singing both Seymour's part and Audrey 2's oh, part. It was
2: incredible. Like, honestly, I, <laughs> it was just, it was, it was, oh, it was crazy. Just, like, like, the the vibe of that
0: song and just, it's, like, the first time Audrey 2 speaks and as soon as you hear it, every time I hear I'm like, it's just right. It's, like, that's the voice oh. that you want to hear coming out of Audrey. No matter who it is, you just want this, like overpowered like the feed
2: me just yes. like that yes. oh. It just draws you in, right? Yep. Like the the writing is incredibly charismatic. The uh-huh. way that character is written and the lyrics, the melody, it is just like it's be, it's like being seduced. Yep. Whether, whether it's you know a male plant or a female plant, you're being seduced. Oh, one hundred By the way, this song is written, and I, I mean, I feel like I would feed something to it because right. like I, I just. Mm. <laughs> It
0: almost—it gives me this vibe of like Hades. Oh yeah, definitely that
2: power
0: kind of thing. How it's how he's like. It's definitely me. Like, well, the way that they write this, all the songs
1: in the show are very much to the character. They're all completely different, but yes. they're so written for that yeah. character.
2: They're all good. I mean, right. I like I like pretty much all the songs. There's no I don't really have a, a skipper in there. But I think a great way to bring this
0: discussion to a bit of a close. Have you seen any, and obviously you don't have the name names, have you seen any Little Shop of Horrors production <laughs>
2: fail? Oh, mate, yes. So one of my all-time, all-time... I love that. <laughs> you were just stretching. You were like, oh, get ready. Yeah, okay. So, like, in terms of, it's not even just a Little Shop of Horrors production fail. It is one of probably the most horrifying, for me, choices I've ever seen on stage was I saw a production of Little Shop of Horrors where during Somewhere That's Green, there was a PowerPoint presentation behind the girl playing Audrey illustrating the imagery that she was singing. So they used uh, a projection screen for a lot of the set. So it was, you know, Skid Row, then it turned into the dentist's office. And this girl comes front of stage to sing Somewhere That's Green and then she sort of moved off to the stage left. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool, I love it. But you don't have to stand in the middle. And then I realized that she's standing in the middle because behind her the screen is turning into a matchbox house. <gasps> um, so it's illustrating no, the house as she sings a matchbox. Then as she sings fence of real chain link, a fence slides across the screen in front of it. Then it turns into a picture of a barbecue for a grill out on the oh patio. That God. barbecue then morphs into the circle of a disposal in the sink. And this continued oh my for the whole song. The whole Stop song. It. All of the imagery of what she was singing was behind on this PowerPoint. And this I is just. Wrong. This is so wrong. This is is like—I mean—I feel like she's already pretty
1: descriptive. It's very descriptive as
2: it is. And I I didn't like it because, whilst I guess it's kind of funny, uh, it it highlighted that some of the imagery is quite funny. The the screen of the television is actually really small because of the time period it's set in, like a big, enormous twelve-inch screen. Yes, it highlighted the comedy of that. But I disliked it because it was not trusting. The girl playing Audrey to carry mm-hmm. the imagery to yeah. take us to that place. Um, yeah. Carry the song. Yes, it was it's her big standalone moment. And as we talked about yeah. quite at length, she deserves so much yeah. more. It's still hashtag exactly. Justice for Audrey, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Justice for Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> Happening while she was singing somewhere that's green, and it's her moment for us to be taken on a journey with her. And it was just—it's it, it, beyond Little Trip of Horrors. It's just not trusting your actor to communicate with your audience. Uh-huh. So like, it's like—it's not trusting your audience either to uh-huh. be engaged with what someone's saying. Like I don't need visual aids. I don't need it spelt out to me in cartoon form. Person, uh, really committed and. And thinking about what they're singing and telling the story is the most engaging thing on stage. Mm-hmm. And the real moment that you get to that's connect great. with an actor. when and, and that's what's so great about musicals in particular is it's so... Vulnerable when someone is on stage, just them singing their true heart's desire. Oh, that's such an important moment to connect with a character, and and for me, that was so a, important. There was, yeah. a, it was a big no from what me. It was a no no, it was a no from me, it's but a no I, yeah, from it's me. Like, it happened during a little shop of horrors, but it probably would have been a no from me if it had been like bring him home with uh illustrations behind it
1: well (laughs) thank you so much heather for discussing all things little shop
2: today it was so amazing well it's so exciting because you know i'm very known for standing in a car park for several hours after a show to talk about it so this is like an official official debrief on 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 and i like it no i was just gonna say that you guys are doing such an amazing job and i have i was never listened to a podcast before i listened to yours (laughs) my very first podcast and I am absolutely loving it. So it has been a real pleasure to come on and be part of it. We really appreciate that. love you so
0: much and thank you so much for coming (laughs) on. We did want to
1: um, ask you before you left as most of our audience know that we do and as you know because you listen um, (laughs) we do a bedtime story and we (laughs) would love to hear a little bedtime story from you. (laughs) Is it directing? Is it acting? It can be anything. Go for it. (laughs)
2: It's so funny when you think about it because it makes me realize how many mishaps I've had on stage. Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. I've fallen, I've fallen off the stage, I've fallen down uh, yep, and same. bled on a wedding dress, oh, um, my God. And, and been in trouble over that. <laughs> I had was in a show once and I had to faint and someone was meant to catch me, and one night they didn't because they were over the <gasps> other side of stage, oh. and I just oh, fell like flat no. on my back. But there's some I as you mentioned um, when you were first generously introducing me I teach drama and so this is the story that I love to tell uh, all the kids I teach because I'm like this is just uh, sometimes on stage you get thrown a real curveball so I was in a production of Into the Woods and the director's (laughs) concept for Into the Woods was that all of the animals would be played by humans so um, Milky White the cow was played by this adorable woman who was like in her 70s and she was the cow and, no way. Um, it, and it was like the audience loved it. All she would do would be like sit on a stool holding a handbag that looked like udders and pretending to chew and the audience would be oh just God, in hysterical that. laughter. Every night, I can see every it. Every night she got the biggest applause and I totally see why she deserved it. It was so cute. No. But as part of this, it meant that, um, you know how there's the cow that's brown that gets the flower on it mm-hmm. to be white? Yep. So the girl who played... one of the stepsisters uh, played that and I was also as well as being Lucinda one of Cinderella's stepsisters I was Jack's giant hen that he brings back from the giant's house. (laughs) Heather, Heather, you were the hen. So I was Jack's giant hen. Yeah, so it's great. So uh, it was the coolest costume. I had this, like, brightly colored T-shirt on and these red shorts and suspenders and, like, red shoes, yellow socks, this ridiculous, like, beanie hat with a feather in it. It was... Anyway, yes. so... Um, I, live. And I and literally had to be a chicken. So uh, the whole scene is like me going... Bah, bah, and like Jack's talking to me and Little Red. And it's the scene where he... Uh, he and Little... Uh, Jack and Little Red have the conversation where she comes in with her wolf coat and he basically... She doesn't believe that he's been up to the Giants. Um, oh, to the end yes. of the Giants. And he decides to go back, which is what causes all of the horribleness in Act 2. Um, so... Yep. One night, I'm standing there in this chicken costume and I come on with Jack and the two of us are there and it gets to the end of the do 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 and we're standing there and no little red riding hood appears. So, so we're standing there... Um, and Jack's there, and no little red riding hood appears. And, and you can just see the terror in this guy's eyes. Like, he's looking at me going, what do we do? And um, so bless him, he starts improvising. Except that his improvised partner is me. I'm a chicken. So he's trying his best <laughs> to improvise and yeah. I can't talk because I'm a chicken. So he's a like, chicken. he's going, okay, so, um, and he's trying to get the plot points. He's obviously, I can see his mind working a million miles an hour and he's like, okay, I have to go back. Mm. I have to go back to the Giants. That's, that's the important part of this scene. And he's like, oh, um, yeah. oh, Hen, do you uh, think Little Red Riding Hood is coming? And I'm go- and I say, <laughs> he's like, um, Okay. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, maybe we should go back up to the giant's house. What do you think? And I'm like, so I'm trying to be like, yes, we should, but in chicken language. And the two of us are just dying. (laughs) And it goes back and forth until uh, at one point I just go, and just like run off and he's like come back mm-hmm. and chases after me and honestly we got off stage and, and the girl wow. who was playing little red Running running was mortified she's like I realised halfway through but it was like way too late I was down the back of the stage I wasn't going to make it in time and I just go you know Always be ready to improvise, guys. Even if you're
1: a chicken, uh, you may still have to just that... keep on going. Um... Chickens are a theme in our podcast. That is crazy. <laughs> Thank you so much. That story was absolutely incredible. We loved
2: it. I'll send you the picture of my chicken. Yes,
1: everyone, keep an eye out for that. Uh, we will definitely post it. Uh, yeah. You'll see more chicken pic- pictures on our Instagram because we have no shame. No shame here. Yeah. <laughs> but... Thank you so so much Heather
0: for sharing that story with us. Not only that story but just yes. your thoughts and feelings and opinions on Little Shop of Horrors. This was an amazing discussion and I know I know we could go on for hours oh, about this. Like Many we covered points. like maybe half of the
2: points that we had written down yes look we've been known to wax lyrical about shows but um that's what's so cool about what you guys are doing you know it's an opportunity to talk about shows the way we theater, nerd, theater nerds do but with exactly. you know on a on a wider scale which is really cool so it's been really fun
1: if you guys have any <laughs> thoughts about little shop as well or you agreed or disagreed with some of the points make sure you guys message us we love it when we hear from you and hearing about what you think about the podcast so make sure you guys message us yeah let us. Us know any thoughts, feelings, and let us know. We want to yeah. do another one of these, so
0: let us know first and foremost did you like it and secondly what do you want us to do next i personally think actually a really fun one would be into the woods Mm. but let us know we'll see what we can do but anyway you guys thank you so so much for listening we'll be back in two weeks with another new episode but remember to stay happy healthy and safe we love you all so so much Bye.
1: bye